0: As we continue our studies in the book of the Genesis, the book of beginnings, let's go to chapter 35. And it was, um, I think it's uh, by divine providence that uh, Brother Dave was not able to really cover chapter 35 because the more I consider chapter 37, the more I realize that you've got to have a good grip on 35 and what was actually transpiring there in order to get a real handle on what's going on in 37. There's been many misconceptions as far as uh, things concerning especially Joseph. Uh, Because we jump into 37 and we begin to make conclusions that may not be true at all. Um, So so we go to chapter 35 and we get kind of a backdrop of what had transpired here. Chapter 35 and verse number 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. And dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garment. Now if we go back to chapter thirty. Uh, 32 we see the scene in Peniel and I believe that Peniel my personal feelings are and Dave discussed this last week but my personal feelings are that Peniel was probably Jacob's salvation it was a huge massive change in the attitude of Jacob. I believe it denotes his salvation. Jacob is very, very self-absorbed, or at least was, before this scene in chapter 32, the end of. He was very confident in his own abilities and was very competent He knew how to get things done. And He was used to doing them on His own. Now, God was about to change all that in a very dramatic way. It says in verse 26 of chapter 32, And He said, Let me go, for day breaketh who says... The Lord said. Seems a a comment a bit out of character for the Lord. Let me go for the day breaks. In other words, I've had enough. And it goes on and says this, and He said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now if you go back to the first scene, which is at Bethel, where Jacob sees the ladder that comes down from heaven and he sees the angels ascending and descending and the Lord Jesus Christ is at the top looking down upon this whole scene. And God gives him all these blessings. A tremendous amount of blessing comes his way. And his response is, if, if, In other words, if you do your part, I will do my part. Oh, you see, Jacob had not arrived yet. He was still self-absorbed. He was still wanting to be in absolute control of the circumstances. And everywhere he was, God gave him that ability. He controlled the matters when it came to Laban. He controlled matters all the way through his life. God built him up to break him down. And he wasn't ready yet in chapter 32. If if you, I will... Like making a little deal with God, you know? Listen to the blessings God pours on him. He says, and he said... Thy name shall be verse 28. thy name shall be called no more Jacob. Excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter. Go back to 28. And this is uh, verse 16. and Jacob awake out of his uh, sleep. And said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Uh, Excuse me, let's go back up. And it says, verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, and thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad from the west to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it. And he was afraid and said, how, dreaded, how dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God. And so he called it Bethel. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took, and took the stone of the, uh, uh, that uh, he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of this city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If, isn't that amazing? All those promises that God had had given to this man Jacob. And then he turns right around and he makes them conditional. Conditional upon what? What God hadn't given to him already. But you see, the whole idea is that, that Jacob was a control freak. Have you ever met those kind of people that are control freaks and you you get in their presence and all of a sudden it's done by their rules and it's done the way they want it done and and all of a sudden you kind of just, whoa, whoa. And the worst thing is when you get two control freaks in the same room. I love that. I mean, wow, you know, it's like putting two bowls in the same pan. I mean, it just goes crazy and beat on each other's heads. Well, that's what was happening still here. Jacob was a control freak. He wanted to be in control. And if you do, God, then I'll do. And he made a vow. What had God withheld from him? (laughs) Doesn't seem much was withheld from him. But that's the premise in which you see. Now, go back to chapter 32 and verse 29. This is something that changed. This is a huge transformation in the life of this control freak named Jacob. And it says, And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Whereof is it that thou ask after my name? And he blessed him. And Jacob took the name of the place as Peniel. Verse 26 says this, And He said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And He said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Now, as I studied through this whole thing, and to get a handle on 37, I had to kind of come to some conclusions. And there are places where I fill in the blanks. True. True. But you see, this self-confident man named Jacob who, who seemed to be a doer and get the job kind of done his way. It was done that way. What God does is amazing because what He did in this instance is He threw a scenario in the life of Jacob that Jacob could not handle. For there were 400 men breathing down his neck, all trained by his brother Esau. Now Esau was a man of the woods. And so Esau knew how to hunt. Esau knew how to kill. And Jacob was in big trouble. It was like having 400 Esaus breathing down your neck. You see? So God threw a scenario into the path of this man that he would have to say, Oh, this is beyond me. I can't handle this. And so he grabs on. I can imagine him grabbing onto the legs of the Lord Jesus Christ and holding them for all dear life. And saying, Bless me. Bless me. What was that scene? That was the absolute surrender of a self-absorbed, overconfident man named Jacob. He finally surrendered. What he was doing was grabbing on to the legs of the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledging that I cannot do it anymore. I will not take another step forward without you. Because my life is an absolute disaster and boy was it now he was successful in certain areas but in other areas his family life was a disaster what an awful depiction of a family four wives sons that were barbaric absolutely out of control the whole scene and 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 here's Jacob, and he wraps his arms around the Lord, and he says, "Not another step will I go, unless I go with you." You know, as as I contemplated this whole thing, I, I realized in myself that that there's a good chance that there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have never had. A penny, all experience, and I'm convinced that it's coming. You see, what we do is we get used to doing things my way. You know, we we get very comfortable in in taking circumstances and saying, "Well, that that's a circum that's difficult, but I can get through it." and then God's going to throw you something. God's going to throw you something and you're going to stand back and you can say I can't get through this. That could be your penny all experience you see. And you wrap your arms around the legs of the savior. You don't let go. You can't let go. You can't let go because you know that that what faced him was 400 well-trained soldiers. And he was in trouble. You come to a box and it lays out before and there are people in the audience. You come and you look in that box and you see a loved one, someone who is near and dear that you love and you look and you see them and they are dead, that's often times of any old experience. Yes, there's nothing can do. There's nothing you can do. You want to be in control you want to take the circumstances of the loss of this loved one and you want to just change those circumstances. there's nothing you can do well you see chapter 35 chapter 35 this is where the importance of chapter 35 comes in because god wasn't done with jacob yet was he you might say, "Well, he had his peniel experience, and he held on to that. Okay, now we can go forward." In forward, in what? Reverting back to the same kind of experience that you had before, where whenever circumstances threw themselves up into your face, you took control, took charge of that matter. Oh no," said God, "I'm not done yet." And so we have Jacob. And we have those idols. You see, that's what we read about here. It says in verse number 3 of chapter number 35. It says, And let us rise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar. Uh, excuse me, chapter, uh, verse number 2. And Jacob said unto the house, household, And to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean. And change your garments. You see? It was those gods that, that Rachel had gotten from her father. Oh, as they were going out, she said, Oh, these might come in handy. And so she grabbed off those, those gods. They, they're probably gold and silver, and they were very, very valuable. And she thought, man, these could come in handy. It was an absence of the trust in the living God, wasn't it? She thought, well, I could maybe sell them or something. Uh, we could can, we can make good use of these. And so, Jacob says they're gone. Well, something had changed, didn't it? Get rid of the gods. Now listen to what happens after he gets rid of the gods. It says in verse number 3, And let us rise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answers me in the day of my distress. And was with me in the way which I went, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in the land, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was at Shechem. And they journeyed. Now listen to what it says here: and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did pursue after, this, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So, once the gods were gone, the power entered in. Once the idols are washed out of the system, the power enters in. Nothing is new under the sun. Everything's the same. No, that's a, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have any strange gods, no graven no images and all that stuff. I don't, it doesn't apply to me. Oh boy, does it apply to us. It applies to us. Once the strange gods and the idols are taken out, the power comes in. You want to know, as you walk through life in an impotent way, I have no influence. I feel impotent, powerless. Well, maybe you want to go into the cabinet and see what you have as far as idols. Get rid of the idols, and the power comes in. And the influence over the cities that dwelled around Israel. Did they play with Israel anymore? No, there was power. There was influence. Because Jacob took a stand and got rid of the idols. Here was a changed man. Here was a changed man that that clung to the Lord. Clung to the Lord and would not let go. And he was bound and determined to do it God's way from this point on. Now, he didn't get a lot of help from his wives or from his children. But he will continue on in God's path. This is what it says. Verse number 7. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. Now, El Bethel is the God of the house. You see, the the difference was, you can come into the house of God, and we come in and and we sit down and and, and, and hear a nice sermon and and praise the Lord, a little prayer, a little whatever, and and we feel comfortable. There's no problem. We never come to the God of the house. Oh man, you come to the God of the house and all of a sudden everything changes. You see, Jacob named it Bethel, the house of God. But after he had that experience, it was hell, Bethel. Now I know the God of the house. What a change. And he walked in that way. And he walked with influence. So everything's rosy. Everything's great from here, man. You you clung to the Lord... You, 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 you had your Peniel experience. You clung to the Lord and, and then you went back to Bethel. He should have been in Bethel a long time ago. How many years did he spend with labor? 20 years wasted. Dancing with, with uh, uh, personal gain and wealth and, and all these things. And finally, he's back in Bethel. That's where he needed to be to begin with. But God wasn't done with him yet. It says in verse number 8, But Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. Now why does the Word of God... That's what I asked myself when I was going through this. Why does the Word of God say that? For Jacob's sake. You see, this woman, Deborah, being Rebecca's nurse was very, very close, like a second mother, to Jacob. It's like a second mother. And so, when she died, that, that was one of those experiences, just like I, I, I talked about, one of those experiences that, that you in, in all your seeming wisdom and power and insight have no answers for She died. And then verse number 16. And they journeyed from Bethel. Now, if you're scratching your head, I'm scratching my head too. He just got to Bethel. He just got to the house of God. He just got to the place where he said, now I know the God of the house. And and now he's turning again. Why is he leaving? Please, if anyone knows the answer to that, come to me afterward. Because I'm still scratching my head over that one. But here's what happened. It says in verse number 17, it came to pass when she was in hard labor... This was Rachel with Benjamin. When she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. He overruled. He was, she, she, she named him the son of my suffering. He said overruled. He's the son of my right hand. Now, I want you to try and get the whole, the whole picture here the whole scope of what was taking place here he is traveling away from Bethel whether he was supposed to or not whether he got a divine uh, uh, an appointment to move I don't know why he did but as he was traveling away on the road she ends up going into very very hard labor and he has to sit and watch as his Rachel dies is it out of his control? Is there some sort of uh, hospital? Somebody that knows? Nobody knows. The midwife sat there and assured her, you will have the son, but she never said a thing about her. And Jacob has to watch as she dies. Helpless to do anything. So first been uh, Deborah, one he loved greatly. Then it's Rachel, one he loved greatly. And God was taking one by one by one out of the control freak's hand because this control freak could not control these circumstances. Now I want you to notice verse number 20 of chapter number 35. It says in verse 19, and, and Rachel died and was buried in the way to Epaphath, which is Bethlehem. And then it says in verse 20, and Jacob set a pillar. Now I want you to notice at the point of his conversion, I believe, in chapter 32 at Peniel, all the way up to here, God had did a magnificent work with Jacob. But I want you to notice what He did. It wasn't that God went in and said, Jacob, <clears throat> yes, you, you have plenty of faults. You, you've got many misgivings. And, and, and some of the things you've done have really irritated me. But by and large, you're not such a bad guy. and And we can work with it. We can change it, we can make it different, and we can move on. What did he say? He said, from now on, your name shall be Israel. Well, see, it goes back to John chapter 3, doesn't it? Because, you see, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is willing to deal with us on the basis of being born again. And that's the only basis. Because anything that we were before in that natural man and that whole scenario of our natural self needs to be trashed. And that's why He said to Jacob, Jacob no longer is the name going to be... Jacob it's going to be Israel. So whenever you hear the name Jacob from this point on, you know there's trouble brewing. But when you hear the name Israel, you see a man that's walking after the will of God. I told Malcolm this, and I told some others too. It blew me away. Went to a funeral on Thursday night, and uh, the, the the minister got up, and I noticed some very good songs on the the sheet. It is well with my soul. Amazing grace. Wow, this is great. It's going to be good. But I noticed one thing when he went up to the pulpit is he. Golly, he forgot his Bible. That's not so good. But I thought, well, maybe he's got one of those minds, you know, unlike my own, and he just memorized all the Scripture, and he's good by that. So he goes up there, no Bible, no nothing. And he goes about giving us this um, this invitation so that people can come and they can say good things about the deceased. I'll be honest, I, I, I don't necessarily advocate such things personally. You see, I talked to this deceased's mother for two years before he died. This is what I got from her. He's a drunk. Cares not for his children. Has put off his wife. Just lives life in a debauchery kind of fashion and, 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 and I, I sat there and I listened and with this in the back of my mind I don't think it was in the back of everyone's mind in that building, I hope not but in the back of my mind as his, as his own mother described him uh, I, I listened as they get up and they come up and oh he was just and, and, and I'm telling you it was like the second coming of Apostle Paul by the time they got done and then the minister came up and he said some bizarre things that I could not figure out what in the world he was talking about. Something about experiences or something and this and that and not even one word of the gospel. Not even close, not even remotely close, nothing. So I went up to the minister afterward because I was very curious and I just wanted to find out. And I said, "Sir, I want to get to heaven. Tell me, what is it? How do I get to heaven?" this is his response well you know that's a good question I said yes it is a good question I want to get to heaven tell me how to get to heaven well I'll tell you how he said you know Paul Great light shone from heaven. That was my experience. I, there was a great light, and it shone from heaven. And 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 from then on, I I loved it and had faith in the Lord, and 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 His love for me and my love for Him, and and, and we walk. And then I quoted for in John three sixteen. So what about John three sixteen? again a rather bewildered look. wow is there many roads that lead to God we simply need to to pick our experience you see and meanwhile the only experience that really matters is of the Lord Jesus Christ bleeding and dying for the sins of the world And he's preaching a false gospel. I have no other way of putting it. You say, well, you're being a judge. You're you're a judge. I'm not being a judge. It is what it is. Deceiving many with such rhetoric. I could hardly believe it. But Jacob became Israel, you see. Because God knew that, that... can't just alter a few things about you and, and, and kind of cut off some of that dross and, and that there's a few bad things that I'm, I'm very displeased with, Jacob. And we're just going to chop those things off and we're going to make you. Uh... No. We're going to start all over again. And that's exactly what he told Nicodemus. And, and he wasn't going to uh, uh, and talking to a harlot on the street or, or somebody who could say was, was a terrible sinner. And, and he did that. God, is so smart. I can't believe some of the things he does. If we would to saw some terrible sinner, some wretched sinner, and we placed that individual into John chapter 3, will we say, well, yes. He needs to be born again. Look at his life. What a wretched person he is. No, he grabs up a Pharisee. One who has a life that, that is great standing. Even the Lord testified, hey, live like a Pharisee. You're going to have to live like a Pharisee. You know? If you think works are going to get you there, and that's the route you're going to have to go. So there was respect for that. God did that for a reason, so that no one could sit back and say, oh, I have an excuse. I'm okay. That person is not okay. So Rachel died, Jacob set a pillar, but Israel journeyed. You see that? It's a temporal lifestyle that God has given over to Jacob. Jacob was influenced by the riches and the wealth and getting this and getting that and be established and and have have many servants and many flocks and many herds and all these things. And, And God said, no, you're Israel now. You journey. Israel journeyed. But Jacob set up a pillar. And then we have in... Verse 22, this terrible scene where Reuben, his firstborn, went into Bilhah, who was the handmaiden of Rachel, and ended up having relations with Bilhah. So, you see, it's, it's down, down, What was God doing in chapter 35? Now, I want you to see this because I think this is imperatively important. It is extremely important in understanding chapter 37. What was God doing? He was breaking Jacob down. And all that he had depended on, he was pulling it apart and leaving him empty. And so Reuben goes into Bilhah. Bilhah should have been the one that that would have been great comfort to Jacob in light of the fact that she's a handmaiden of Rachel. And here, I don't know, for whatever reason, who knows why this scene, this sordid scene, but it just keeps repeating itself right through this family. This is the most dysfunctional family I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable wreckage of sin. And there was only one that recognized it. There were two probably that recognized it. Jacob? Joseph those two so we have this scene and then in verse 29 Isaac dies you say wait a second God God had he already had his experience he learned his lesson and he, and he clung to the, the legs of the Lord and in absolute dependence of, he learned his lesson God said you ain't seen nothing yet and he begins to take away, take away, take away, and give him experiences like that he and all of his abilities, talents, and gifts could not handle. You see? So his father now is going. Isaac. Why all this heartache after what would have been the 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 the, the, the very act on the part of Jacob of surrender why all the heartache because God isn't done with us yet I've seen in the lives of individuals and and, and this is where we've got to be very careful when we look at someone and we say oh that happened and that happened all these things are, are, are befalling this individual why he must be in sin be careful be careful maybe not so at all but Isaac died It says, And Isaac gave up the ghost and died. It was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. There was a unified gathering. Both Esau and Jacob came together. And they must have hugged one another and kissed one another. And there was actually unity there as they buried their father, Isaac. And then chapter 36, it goes into the generations of Esau. And we're not going to go into chapter 36 because it's just a genealogy going through. There are some very interesting things that occur in that particular chapter. But I want you to see the very last verse of chapter 36 says this. Esau is the father of the Edomites. And so you have this tension between these two Jacob and Esau and this tension continues even into today it has never ended and so it says Esau the father of the Edomites now I think it well If I stop there, and then I'm going to get into chapter 37 this evening, and I might even touch on, just touch on chapter 38, because the reason why is because the book doesn't cover 38. But I think 38 is immensely important. 38 is, there's, there's a lot of ramifications that come out of chapter 38, but we're going to go into chapter 37 tonight, and then we will go into a little bit on chapter 38, probably not spend too much time there, and we'll conclude with that. Now, I, I just conclude by saying this, that, that if you have not had your Peniel experience, look out, my friend, because it's a-coming. If so far in life you, you've simply took a, taken the circumstances and, and you, uh, you, oh, you may pray a little, oh, God help me with this and go on and do it your own way. There's going to be a circumstance of which you're going to wring your hands, and you're going to grab on to the legs of the Lord, and you're not going to let go, because there'll be no answers—absolutely no answers. Oh, you can go to that that uh, that 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 uh, acquaintance's funeral, and and you can sit through them, and does not rock the soul, you know? But wait till it's your mother or your, your father or your wife or your husband. There's going to be that experience. And when you put your faith and trust in, and, and your absolute trust in, in the God of heaven, those experiences could come. And they can go with, with an easy ability, knowing that one day I'll see that individual in heaven. What a what a day that's going to be. It just blows my mind when you think that, that all of a sudden, in our case, that the trump could sound and the dead in Christ could rise and we will be gathered unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of those people that have gone on and we've sat there and we've wept over and... and, and all of those experiences in which we had no answers it 's all going to be answered. God has the answer. The answer is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives life and gives it more abundantly. He died in, in order that we might live. You see oh how i how I wished for that. Simple words of the gospel to come out of that minister's mouth, and yet there was nothing. One thing I learned on this is I think I shared this with Justin in the back. I learned something vital. Here was a minister who has a flock, and he does not know the basic tenets of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I concluded. We need to start from base one. We tend to start too high. I'm preaching at myself. This is where I came up with this. I'm starting up here, assuming, assuming that that there's a basic knowledge of of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And I'm starting here. And I'm losing them. We got to go down. We got to start way down here at the bottom. If that minister doesn't know the gospel, what about the people that are sitting in his in his church, whatever the, wherever he is, I don't even know what what he gathers to. We need to start at basics. The Lord Jesus Christ died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Start there. Knowing that by his death, we have life. And so we'll continue to consider this, chapter 37 this evening, as we gather at 6 o'clock. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the Word of God. We recognize the importance of it. That every jot... And every tittle, even the smallest stroke, is from the hand of you, God Almighty. And there's much for us to learn. You've left it here so that we might understand, not the faults of others, but our own faults, our own weaknesses, our own problems. Oh, our Father, we just pray that, that we would take it, study it from cover to cover and understand it that we might be able to give it a a, a a reason for the hope that is within us we give you thanks Now part us with thy blessing in the lord jesus Christ's name we do pray amen